Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Popo along with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Giants coming off their bye. Uh, Brian Dable announced earlier today that Tommy DeVito is going to get the start on Monday night against the Green Bay Packers. Jonathan Vilma was a standout linebacker in the National Football League, a fun guy to watch. He's actually called a bunch of Giants games recently, and he joins us here on the program. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Good to have you, my man. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. You know, Bob, the thing about these these really good middle linebackers, they're like super, super smart, and you can talk football with them all day, and they got answers for every question. So, uh, Jonathan, you know, I'm a, I was a big fan of of you as a player, but even as a broadcaster, it's so enlightening to um, listen to you talk football and and just explain to fans what what they're seeing. So, I think it's really cool. Uh, that we are able to have you on our podcast today. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, I will have an answer for everything. and They may not be the right answers, but I got an answer for you, though. You can always say the middle linebacker can tell the coach what happened. He didn't exactly. have to look around. He didn't have to turn around. He can say, coach, this is what happened. <laughs> so, um, Jonathan, we had a conversation. I think we were in Washington, was it, Bob? Yeah, Washington. yeah, we were in Washington, Washington. Yeah. and because, you know, Bob and I are, this podcast is about the Giants, but, you know, we're all observers of the game as a whole, and one of the things that you and I talked about was just kind of the lack of development at the offensive line position, and, you know, as I'm watching the game last night, it made me think more about our conversation because they listed all of the quarterbacks that were out starting quarterbacks that were out significant amount of time or for the season. And I'm like, this is kind of a direct correlation to the development of the offensive line position. And so you talk to coaches and position coaches because you go from game to game. Can you share a little bit about, their thoughts on how offensive linemen are developing in today's game, I guess over the last three or four years, five years. Yeah, the offensive line position, it, it's starting back in high school. So ever since the, the, the game of football kind of went to a more pass uh, first type of, uh, of style, what happened is the offensive linemen now were not being taught some of the old school uh, ways of blocking. And you have the combo blocking, uh, you have gap scheme blocking, and those fell out of favor because why? You have a quarterback that sits in gun 99% of the time. I'm, I'm referring to high school football right now. And then they're usually a half field read quarterback. So if they see cover two, they know where to go with the football. It's, you know, two routes, right? And if it's cover four, they know where to go with the football. And if it's man, they'll go to their best receiver. So every time you have a quarterback that gets the ball out in, let's call it two seconds max, right? Two and a half seconds. So they the linemen never have to block anymore. 
This is referring to high school. Then you have the zone read and the RPO, run pass option. So everything for them is just zone, right? And so now you have linemen who are learning only to zone left, zone right. Then they're only learning to just step back and take whatever man comes to them. And the ball should be out in two seconds. So if if that's what they're being taught 17, 18 years old, now you go to college and yes, they're big, they're fast, they're athletic, but there's only a few programs that are still actually teaching the linemen how to block. I look at a Michigan, I look at an Alabama, I look at, frankly, a lot of the Big Ten, you know, because they no one likes it, right? They say, oh, the football is boring. The Big Ten football is boring. Well, yeah, that's because they're teaching the linemen how to block, how to get up to the second level when there's a D-line stunt, how to pass it off. And then that correlates with the passing game, which is the play action and how you have to sell the run on play action, how you have to account for an edge rusher, et cetera. And what you see is only a few schools are doing it in college. A lot of them are not doing it because they just adopted to whatever was best for that O-lineman slash quarterback. And that's when you look at kind of these pass-happy Big 12 offenses, et cetera. Mm. And it's no knock on the colleges. They're, if I'm a college coach, I'm thinking the same thing. Well, this guy was great at doing this. This is why I recruited him. This is why mm -hmm. I gave him a scholarship. He was really good at doing this in high school. And so if I want to be successful – the best thing for me to do is continue doing what we did in high school and what made them so good. Well, then all of a sudden they get to the NFL and the NFL hasn't fully adopted this uh, pass. Well, pass first, yes, but kind of the blocking scheme because you have the defense now that's too athletic, right? The, the defenses are too athletic to just allow you to sit there as a quarterback look at one half of the field, throw the ball in two seconds. And if they're not athletic, then the scheme is too good, right? They'll right. make a cover two look like a cover three. They'll make a cover three look like a cover four. And I know I'm getting deep into the weeds about uh, where it's going as far as offensive line, but to circle back to it, offensive linemen are now getting to the highest level. NFL is the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And they're all of a sudden having to be taught the fundamentals that they weren't taught in high school and in college. And that's the biggest struggle right now because that's when you realize, man, this guy is really athletic, but uh-oh, his feet may be a little too slow. He may be a little top-heavy. He can't handle a D-line stunt. He can't handle an edge rusher with a safety or a backer, right? He can't pass off quick enough because he has never been taught to process that mm -hmm. and how it's based should be how his blocking angle should be and all of these things go into o-line play so you look at a guy and they say man this is a top five pick what well, why is he struggling there's a lot more than just being six foot eight 330 pounds and can jump a 37 inch vertical there's way more that goes into it for the o-line and oh by the way the guy you're going against he doesn't care about all that he knows right. exactly what he needs to do and right. he's gonna go and rush and he's gonna do what he has to do so i see the offensive line play frankly, uh, uh, being cyclical in the sense that you're going to start to see, and I'm sure the, the, the NFL coaches are talking to college coaches and saying, hey, you got these tremendous, talented offensive linemen players. We need you to do a little bit more. We need you to you know, develop them more because that's part of your job as a coach. 
You're supposed to develop these players when they get there and you want them ready for the next level. I got a message for our fans out there. Football's back. Bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs and Super Bowl, Bet Online is going to give you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device. Get in on the action. Remember, use the promo code Believe, B L E A V. To receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So yeah, let, me, so- let, let me just let me just follow up on that a second. Yeah. Uh, because to what Jonathan's point is here, you know, people, a lot of fans and people that are watching this would say, well, it just means that the NFL will eventually transition over time into more of that college style. But the problem, Jonathan, as you're explaining it, is the linebackers and the corners and the safeties and the D linemen on the NFL level, the athleticism is off the charts. So the game can't transition to the college game because in almost every college game, there's a different level of recruiting that goes on. And some teams are just better in the NFL. It's the funnel. Like it's just the defined few. So this notion of the NFL is going to become more and more like college offensively really can't happen because the athletes on defense will never let it happen. You're exactly correct. That, and that's always been, if you, you kind of look at the evolution of the NFL in general, it used to be you put your best players on defense mm-hmm. and then you're off, the offense had to adjust. And so the, the NFL went through cycles and <clears throat> it's always – the offense trying to uh, be innovative, and then the defensive coordinators start to do what? They either scheme you after they've seen your offense for a, a season or two, or they start to draft the defensive players that can now develop and take take control of whatever offense you're trying to run. So that's where – and, Carl, you've seen this, right? I'm, I'm a small linebacker. I was in favor – you know, back in in my years playing. But before that, I wouldn't have been in favor, right? It would have been the bigger linebackers because offenses were running a different style of offense. Then they tried to innovate. So then now the the teams draft and they get innovative defensively. And then that's just kind of the cycle. And what's interesting and why I say it's a cycle, I'm starting to see, and maybe you guys have started to see it as well, couple teams now are bringing back the fullback, right? A couple teams are now bringing back power O. They're bringing back jumbo personnel. You know, mm-hmm. I just called the Atlanta Falcons-Jets game. The Atlanta Falcons, they were living in 12 personnel, two tight ends, 13 personnel, three tight ends. That's their game. They want to run the football. And I'm starting to see it slowly start to change over because, to your point, Bob, the defense – that all the defenses now are super athletic, not very big, super fast. And yeah. if the only way to counter that is to go big again offensively. And you have to go big, ground and pound, ground and pound, get after them. And so that's why I say it's cyclical. And so with that being said, you've got scoring as low as it's been in a while in the NFL. Right? The defenses have caught up. That's the right. The defenses have caught up because 
like you talk about the um, defensive line stunts, it seems like, not, and I'm just not focusing on Giants, but around the league, the end tackle twist is older than football itself. And every time these kids see it, it's like the first time they're seeing it. It's like groundhog for them. Right. And it's, it's like, you know, you look at the teams that are that are playing well, they've got veteran offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because they this is important. But with these quarterbacks out, and I posted this last night, does this now change the narrative on the value of a good to great running back like they do have more value when when you're seeing when they talk about what running backs get hurt all the time well it seems like quarterbacks do too right now so if you've got a healthy good running back at least you can kind of stabilize your team so carl i had a great conversation i won't mention the gm that i spoke with but i had a great conversation with the gm about this very thing I, I didn't want to be one of those guys sounding off, oh, you should pay the running backs, et cetera, et cetera. So I asked, I said, why, why do you believe uh, – first I said, if you believe the running backs have lost value, and why do you believe that? Um, the, fir- the first question was, yes, he did believe running backs lost value, not to the tune of – you know, a million dollars, you know, veteran minimum, even if you're a great back and been to the Pro Bowl. But he did believe they lost value. But the perspective was different. He said, if you take the uh, Super Bowl champions past 20 years, you do not have a Super Bowl team that won it without having a really good quarterback. You had Super Bowl teams that won with average or above average running back. Their running game was really good. So their rushing attack was really good, whether it was uh, yards per rush or overall yards per game. That was really good. But there was there was not a consistent uh, theme of having an upper echelon running back that won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So they look. So the GM was telling me, he said. So the way I look at it, I will pay for an upper echelon top tier running back. I'm not going to break the bank on him. If I'm going to break the bank, I'm frankly going to break the bank on my guards. I'm going to break the bank on my offensive line or spread that money there. Because if I have either top 10 in yards per rush or top 10 in overall rush yards per game with a really good quarterback. Sure. I got a chance. So it, it's it, and so I, I it was a very enlightening conversation because now I understand why no one wants to pay top dollar, which top dollar means reset the market. Right. And mm-hmm. it'll pay good money, but they're not going to pay top dollar. And I, I get it now. I don't I, I agree with it. I don't like it. I do agree with it because I feel like if you made Pro Bowl and did your thing as a running back, you're supposed to reset the market. That was kind of how it always went uh, mm-hmm. every, you know, three, four years or however it was. Um, but he did say, if you have the Christian McCaffrey factor, the Alvin Kamara factor, which is you're lethal in the passing game, that's where you create your value. Mm. It's funny, Carl, because I've talked about this on my serious show. Uh, you go back to Jamal Lewis of the Ravens in 2000. And then probably the Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch as the fulcrum. 
But other than that, I mean, when Peyton won his first Super Bowl with the Colts, it was a combination of backs. It was Dominic Rhodes, um, Joseph Adai. The Giants won two Super Bowls with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw and Derek Ward. You can't even name the Patriot running backs over the course of time. And even when Jerome Bettis won his Super Bowl, they also had Rashad Mendenhall with the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so there's the teams that have great running games, to Jonathan's point, good offensive lines and really good backs, but not Adrian Peterson, not Derrick Henry, um, not Ezekiel Elliott. When, when you're given a big chunk of money to that one position, it has not proven to be sustainable to win a Super Bowl. And Ezekiel Elliott had a great offensive line, too. So, right. um, so okay, so where is the happy medium here? So backs are important. The really good ones are important. But offensive linemen, we know for a fact, are becoming the second most important position on a football field because it's the quarterback and then who's blocking for him. Because without these guys blocking – um, your running game is not going to average, whether you got an average back or a really good back, they're not going to average, you know, in the top 10 rushing numbers. And your quarterback is going to be faced with free rushers, free runners all the time. So you played in a generation where the practice paradigm was starting to shift as your career was winding down the practice rules. Like you, you know, yeah, 2011, started, the, new, yeah. the new CBA changed it. Yeah. And so, Players wanted less time, more time, you know, out of off the field and coaches limited contact. Mm -hmm. And then the offseason, you know, there, there were limitations. Should there be a more developmental process for offensive linemen? I mean, because the rules have changed. You don't see Bob and I called the game, the Washington game that we were at. There was no oh, Jonathan, single, Jonathan called it, too. Right. There was not a single holding call in the entire game. So, I mean, they're really trying to get offense going, and we know what the rules changes are. Yet the Giants quarterback was sacked, I think, nine nine times that game. Um, what is it? Like, can, you, can they alter practice rules? Are we in a cycle now of coaches that are less crazy that will use the time to develop their players more so than to punish them after practice? Can that, can that help cut the learning curve? So <laughs> it, you gave me about four questions to answer there, Carl. It's a, it's a loaded, loaded. You're uh, a middle linebacker. You got the answers. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to try to answer and not take up uh, another hour and a half. So the, the first part about the, well, the, the very, very first question about the happy medium the happy medium is not going all out on a on an above average quarterback so let, let's start there you if you have a quarterback so if if we look right now across the league there's maybe a, a, and i'm including the injured quarterbacks as well there's maybe a legitimate six or seven guys that you say all right, this guy, I can ride his arm to a Super Bowl, right? There's only really about six or seven. Then you have a, a big group that are good. You know, they're, they're or I should say a, another group that's really good, then a bigger group that's just, you know, they're good, serviceable, and then the rest are trying to figure it out. So if if I'm part of the, the uh, a really good quarterback 
uh, tier. If I'm one of those teams, I'm a GM there. I'm not going to break the bank on this guy. Don't reset the market with this guy. And frankly, you shouldn't be trying to get anywhere near what the the upper echelon. I can ride this guy's right arm, left arm, whatever it is, to to a Super Bowl. That allows you now time to go and get a mix of veteran offensive linemen that have a, a you know two years, three years left in them, but can teach the young offensive linemen that you want to bring in, you want to pay, you want to draft whoever it is because. You can't expect to leave it all on the coach to teach these guys. Now, going to the what the the good and the bad of the 2011 uh, CBA, new CBA, the good was it rested players. The bad was the coaches now don't have enough time for on field development. That's where and when I say on field development, Carl, you'll know you know this. There is nothing better than uh, if it's not a live practice, damn near live, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than full pads, thud them up, m- maybe a period or two, take them to the ground. You That is the way you get taught. You, one, condition your body. Your body now is uh, conditioned to feel the tackles, whether you're taking a hit or doing the hitting, right? Your angles are better. Your footwork is better. All of these things, you can't expect a coach. What what can a coach tell a guy who hasn't touched anybody for six weeks and then goes out and plays in game one? Right. What what development is there? Right. So that that's uh, the cons of it. That's an issue. So the next issue is if you cannot if you if you cannot give the coaches enough time. And I'm now talking about front office because the fans, they want it now. They want it yesterday. Right. If you bring in a new coach, how many years do new coaches have now? Right. They three years, maybe yeah. two, three yeah. years. Yeah. Right. Max. And on uh, all of a sudden, oh, it's not going well. You know, start over fire sale, start over. And so if I'm a coach, when am I going to be able to take the time to say, hey, Mr. GM, Mr. President, Mr. Owner, this is going to be a work in progress based on what I see, based on what we have. And I'm talking specifically offensive line. The only way, because we're not able to practice them with enough reps to be able to really understand and feel these defensive line games and the stunts, et cetera. And I can teach them how to build a better base consistently, right? I'll walk through. Anybody can do it in walkthrough. Yeah. That's easy. What yeah. you need to do are more scrimmages. You need to do more uh, training camp. They they go against um, other teams. Like that's all great, but you need more of that, a lot more of that, because you need to find out where these guys are and you need to know where you can help and develop them. And it may take three years for mm-hmm. some of these guys to come around. Let's just think about some of the best quarterbacks that we've seen. Aaron Rodgers sat for how long? Tom Brady sat for how long? Yeah. The, uh, Peyton Manning, horrible, horrible his first year. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, with social media and the way the fans want it like yesterday, they would have probably written off Peyton Manning, right? They would have never given him a chance yeah. to say, all right, let's develop him. It was rough season, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I said it was a loaded question because there's so many factors in it that come into play. And really, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. You have to have an owner president GM that are going to have the patience with a coach to give him enough time to develop 
these players understanding that they have lost time with the new CBA. They've lost time on the field, which is the most important thing. Like the best thing Sean Payton ever did for us in training camp before the CBA, we go back to back to back training camp, uh, back to back practices. He would just come out and turn one of the practices live. It's live. Obviously, don't hit Drew, but everything else is live and just go. And that's where you really find out about your players. You find out about your leaders, right? Who are the tough guys? Because we just went through five practices. Everyone's tired. Well, okay, so what? Everyone's out here. Either you're going to go and practice hard and become mentally tough and physically tough, or you're going to cower away. And that's a guy we don't need on our team. You don't find out these things from about the players until you're four or five weeks into the season, right? It, it, right. You just don't. So they, they're, there's a lot to it. And I, I would stress that at the top, there has to be patience at the top to allow the development. So that so we we are, I guess, basically on the same page as players still need to be taken care of. And there's not enough trust in coaches that says, OK, they want to abuse the privilege. But mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to extend the. I guess the learning, the study hall piece of it or the learning piece of it on, on the yeah, fly. Because meeting. they have, it's the mental part. Yeah. But it's, a, it's really the processing part. So you can do a walkthrough, you can do uh, meetings until you're blue in the face, but the game is about processing mm-hmm. and you have to process in a split second what's going on. And so it may take an offensive lineman, an offensive guard, to see the same defensive tackle stunt about 50 times before he finally realizes, okay, three technique is going away, plant my foot, right. get, somebody's coming back. Well, then, yeah. And even on top of that, it's okay. Well, these guys run it a little different because the defensive tackle, he's bigger. He's going to push more to my inside shoulder more so than just splitting the two of us. All of these things people don't realize these offensive linemen are seeing it for the first time every time they see it with a different group. Like Hassan Reddick, you don't know if he's going to speed rush you or come underneath because it all looks the same. And these guys have got to kind of learn it. So Mm -hmm. I guess you do have to say, well, we know this. We're seeing it. The good offensive linemen, it's taken them two and a half seasons right now. The really good ones, maybe a season and a half, but the first year is going to be disastrous for a lot of these kids. A hundred percent agree that. And that's where it, it's uh, I mean, it's tough. If you're a coach, you can't spend all the practice just running, you know, D line games, et cetera. Right. You get, you got, you got to install. So I get it from their perspective where it's like, all right, I got to install. If he doesn't know it, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully he'll get it at some point And then hopefully I'll have enough time as a coach to allow for that that growth. And that's that's not even getting into by the new rules all the dark periods in the offseason where unless you're an injured player you're not even allowed in the building. You can't right. even be in there. And and so that so that to me is hurt like the uh the undrafted free agents that are going from year 1 to year 2, maybe a guy's a 5th or 6th round draft pick that needs that in the off season that they don't even have access to that part of it, which like they're telling guys to not come in. The thing that I always call you and I've talked about this. You think anything about like baseball, 
they play. Now, I know football is a much more violent sport, but baseball plays spring training games for a reason, to get acclimated to game conditions. Basketball has preseason games. Hockey, they're crazy because they're checking and stuff in the preseason. The NFL is the only sport that's gotten to the point where you could play your last snap on January 6th and not have to hit somebody for real until opening day of the season with some of these teams that are you know, not playing veterans at all during preseason and whatever. And it's like, how could you be better at what you're doing when you haven't done it live for literally seven months? I would 100% agree. And, you know, what people will look at are the freak athletes, the generational talents, and say, oh, see, Aaron Donald, he doesn't play in the preseason, and he comes out and he plays well. He's a freak of nature. You're not going to see that. That's not the norm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's not the norm. C.J. Stroud. Yeah, exactly. He's an outlier of a rookie. Exactly. You have to look at the majority of the players. Mm -hmm and how they're playing and their performance. And some of them admittedly will tell you, yeah, it takes me about two or three games to finally get into the, into the rhythm or the swing of it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's what preseason was for. Yeah. And, and the problem is those games in September that, you know, and Bill Belichick has even talked about it publicly is, you know, you really don't feel an identity of your team starting to build until three, four weeks in translation. Right. That's now the live preseason. Well, guess what? You lose a game in week two against a division opponent or somebody in your conference that you wind up in the first week of January battling for a wild card spot. Now tell me that you didn't want to be ready for that game at that point because they count right. the first week like the last week. No one the says, oh, those are just the extended right preseason. <laughs> just look at the NFC right now. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not uh, as familiar with the AFC, but the NFC has how many teams in between uh seven and five, six and six, five and seven, four and eight. Uh, mm-hmm. It's gonna go all the way down to why and to your point, Bob, someone's gonna be looking back early on in the season saying, Damn, how did we how did we lose that one? How did we give up that game in week two or week three? Well, there you go. But for you guys in the booth in the radio, I mean sorry, the TV networks, it's great because it's something to talk about. Every team is alive, every market. If you're in if you're in the NFC South and you're under 500 and you're still alive for a playoff because you're leading your division, there's a lot to talk about, right? There's the fan bases are still engaged. Even they're not even focused on the re- win loss record. They're focused on the fact that hey, we're 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 playoff bound, still right? in it. So so right. it's Most good for games. business. You know, it's good for business that way. Um, but it's just we're we're seeing some bad football. I think we're seeing bad football. And like I said, I, I think it will change because you have all these quarterbacks getting hurt, highest paid player on the team. You know that the owners is going to trickle down, right? The owners going to say, "Hey, wait a minute, it's too much money on the sideline. It's too much yeah. money. W- what's the issue?" And then the coaches are going to speak up. Well, hopefully yeah. they do, right? And they say, "This is the issue." All right, how do we correct that? All right, this these are the ways to correct it. And if everyone is kind of solution-oriented, solution-based, then we'll see in the next, hopefully, three, four, five years adjustments that'll help develop more of these players. And not just O-line, yeah. a lot of the players need that help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I even watch one of the more frustrating guys uh, to watch, two guys that I, I loved watching, out of college was Miles Jack 
and Isaiah Simmons, right? Isaiah Simmons is a freak of nature. And every time they lined him up off the ball, it was like, I'm looking like, bro, what are you looking at? And I would love to just watch film with him mm-hmm. and just see what is he processing? Is it because he has so many positions he can play? He tries to process everything as opposed to saying, hey, it's one back in the backfield. If it's a run, that guy's getting the ball. Just follow him, right? But it just seems like he's two steps late, not one. And he makes up for it because he's so fast. But I'm like, you know, some of these guys, you you would think, okay, how are you? Are they developing these kids? Or are they just saying you're so good? Just go out there and just go play ball. But it's like you said, it's it's on both sides of the football. Even the footwork of outside linebackers, you know, they're not. I mean, because unfortunately, I guess for me as a technician, they're just installing. They're not teaching. They're installing. So it's a week to week basis. And, you know, at some time, well, I know more often than not, some of these players are, are caught off guard on a lot of plays and they give up a lot of big plays as a result of that. Like 20 and 30 yard runs more than once a game was used to be unheard of. Right. And now you right. see them two, three times a game, like 30 yard runs. Guy gets through the line of scrimmage and he's gone. Yep. Yep. And hopefully – my, the way I look at it, hopefully you see more of those 20, 30-yard runs because then that's going to force the defenses to evolve yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, I want to ask you a question. 2009, you win the Super Bowl with New Orleans. Um, and obviously, Sean Payton, Carl and I know him real well from his time with the Giants. Um, when he comes out with that onside kick to start the second half, what, what's going through your mind? Uh, honestly, we said, finally, we had practiced <laughs> for two weeks and every time he would make it a point to take time out of special teams to practice it. So I, I'll never forget. I would just sit on the sideline while they're practicing it. I was next to Will Smith, rest in peace. And every time we're like, man, for all the time we practice this, we better run it <laughs> every day. We said wow. the exact thing every day man he better run it he keeps practicing wasting all this time doing this stupid onside kick he better run it so uh sure enough halftime comes we're over there defense is one side offense is on the other side and sean never messes with the defense all of a sudden he comes in he's like hey we're gonna run onside kick and we kind of just looked at each other like good finally me and will you know we looked at each other like good wasted all that time practicing it so let's go that's awesome Hey, um, Jonathan, what game do you have this weekend? I have New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Panthers are coming into town. Okay. All right. Got the Saints and Panthers. NFC Tough quarterbacking. Yeah. <laughs> Tough quarterbacking. Well, uh, we we want to thank you for taking yes. some time. Carl, you notice I got the T-shirt on. I see. Yeah, the, 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 giant, the Giants have a big following uh, all throughout Europe, uh, in Germany, but – in Great Britain and Ireland, and we've been guests on these guys' podcasts, and they came to the states this weekend, so or last weekend, so we had them in the booth for the Giants Patriots yeah. game. It wasn't artistic, but they they were happy to see what they saw. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, Jonathan. Love. I can't thank you enough, man, for this and and you know just giving some insight from a more global perspective of the NFL because you talk to coaches all the time. You guys, your job to interview these guys. And I know, you know, the game and I appreciate that. So 
Um, hopefully our um, listeners here will have a great appreciation for what you just shared with them. I know they're going to be smarter as a result of it because, you know, middle linebackers are the smartest guys on the football field. <laughs> right, baby. Jonathan, I'm going to leave you with, I'm going to leave you with one more thing. So, you know, how Carl is unbelievably cerebral and he's a student of the game and a technician and played for coach Belichick. But he was also one violent SOB out on the uh, out on the football field. Carl, tell tell Jonathan about the time in college where you you knocked out three quarterbacks in one oh, game. Oh, that was thing. Indiana. That was Indiana. I was. <laughs> um, it was Babe Babe Laufenberg. He showed me a picture. I don't know if that was the play I knocked him out, but they they were they were a, a triple option team, right? And so the way they taught option when I played is one guy had the pitch, the other had the quarterback. It was no tethering to see if the guy was going to right. it. You just go. You force a decision, right? right? So every time they said, just hit the quarterback. So I saw that option. By the time he pivoted out, boom, I'm down the line. And I knocked three of their quarterbacks out in Indiana. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Jonathan, thank, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks, man. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate Have a good one. All right. Yeah, Carl, how do, we li- how do we like to end it, Carl? Tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll be back later in the week as as Tommy Cutlets continues his march. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Another edition of Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.